Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we roll on with our team recap series. Uh, we got a very special guest. You want to tell us about him? Steven Muma from Backing the Pack. He was on with us at the beginning of the year. He's been on with us a few different times now. But, Steven, how's it going, man? Good, fellas. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back, Steven. It's, it's good to have you. Hopefully you've been doing well here and. Uh, managed throughout the season, it was a uh, it was a it was a good one for NC State. You know they finished uh, eight and three. They finished ranked. A uh, bit of a disappointment in the bowl game, but that was you know a lot of weird circumstances going on with that one. But I, just overall, I, I figured we'd start here. And first of all, I'll say I, I apologize to the listeners. I'm going to use this this phrase or this term a couple different times with a few teams this season. I I feel like you look at NC State this season and, and the way that things went. And I feel like it's a little bit of a Rorschach test. I said this about Miami. I'm going to say it about NC State as well. I think you can look at this and kind of make of it what you want. Because, again, they, they finished 8-3. and three, They finished ranked. It was a pretty good bowl game. You know, they made it to. Um, obviously outperformed expectations, all this. The other thing you could do is you could look at it and say, well, yeah, but that was a super easy strength of schedule. You know, they didn't play a lot of particularly tough opponents. Um, you know, the, the quarterback situation was still a little bit back and forth. Steven, your take overall in the season, I mean, was this a, a, a rousing success? Was it, you know, maybe not as good as people wanted to make it to be? I don't know. What, what was your take on the whole thing? I can see that. I can see the arguments for maybe it was a little, the record was a little better than it might have otherwise been, depending on the schedule. I mean, it certainly helped that NC State got to dodge Clemson for once which is, was a very nice break, by the way, really enjoyable to not have to deal with those guys. But I think overall you have to look at it as, as really a, a strong uh, effort top to bottom here, From a especially given that Dave Dorn basically remade his entire coaching staff, uh, changed everything around, a new offensive system, um, and losing Devin Leary for the majority of the year, whether it was COVID protocol causing him to have to miss time or – obviously the season ending leg injury that he had against Duke uh, considering that he only played like three and a half, four games um, and state still somehow managed to win eight games. I think is a pretty solid accomplishment. You know, the schedules schedule aside. Steven, you mentioned the quarterback play, right? So Devin Leary gets hurt and, you know, not having him beginning of the year due to COVID having Bailey Hawkman play early on and it wasn't going particularly well. Then Devin Leary comes back, and Joey and I talked with you before the season about Devin Leary, the fact that, you know, a sign of improvement would be to complete more than 50% of his passes, which is something he wasn't doing as a true freshman a year ago. He looked like a freshman a lot, but he came back and looked much improved. And then he gets hurt again. And then enter Bailey Hockman back into the fold. And Joey and I weren't very optimistic when Hockman came back based on what we saw early in the year. But 
it's fair to say that Hawkman exceeded fans' expectations, at least the second time around when he was inserted back into the lineup? Yeah, no question. Um, it was still one of those things where he was he could be wildly inconsistent from one game to the next. He's one of those guys where if he gets off to to a good start and he's decisive, then he can he's probably going to have a pretty good game. But if he gets off to a slow start, it seems like it just kind of gets stuck in his head and he has trouble recovering mentally and it just kind of snowballs from there. But I mean, he played well in the opener against Wake Forest. He played well, very nearly led NC State to an upset over Miami. Um, he played really well in that kind of middle stretch there for about three, four games um, after they lost uh, Leary and they lost to North Carolina. Um, he really stepped up, um, but you know, the bowl game was a good example of just kind of how things could get away from him in a game and he just kind of starts to force the issue. I mean, he still threw 11 interceptions. That's just part of the experience with him, but he was <laughs> overall, I'd say he had a, he had a better year than he did the year prior. Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, especially given what we saw last year and then what we saw in that first game against Wake Forest. I mean, it it still seemed like it was going to be a little bit of a struggle with him at quarterback. But again, coming back after that Leary injury, I I was with you, Mike. I, I'm with you, Stephen. I was pretty impressed with a lot of what I saw. Um, you know, definitely still had his moments and there was some inconsistency. But, you know, it felt like the highs were, were more present there. Um, he He's now transferring out. And I forget off the top of my head where he's going to be going to um, uh, Middle Tennessee, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, I mean, first of all, I mean, would would a lot of Wolfpack fans be questioning, like, why the hell would you leave this situation for that one? No, I think it makes sense. If, if Devin Leary is healthy, I don't think there's really any question that he's the superior quarterback. And, and you know, that Leary's going to be around for a while. Um, NC State also did sign a, a pretty well-regarded quarterback in this class. Plus Ben Finley is still there. Um, so actually two quarterbacks transferred out this year that uh, probably weren't going to see any time moving forward. Um, Hockman, I feel, I feel like in his situation, he, he could probably be a pretty decent impact player at, at that kind of group of five level. Um, probably better move at this point. Uh, Cause if she's not going to get another year, most likely where, Leary gets hurt I hope <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and, and that was that was kind of where I was going to go with it from there was with Devin Leary I mean he did go out with an injury there in the Duke game there was some some suspicion or some hope maybe that he would be able to make it back by the end of the season I don't know how reasonably realistically close he was to being able to do that but we did see a pretty drastic improvement in him from what we saw last year and it does seem like he's set up to be the guy moving forward for NC State here unless again I mean unless an incoming freshman somehow is able to unseat him or anything. But, I mean, I figure we've got at least one more full year of uh, of a really good Devin Leary here leading this North Carolina State offense. I'd expect so, yeah. And he he made the most of the time he did get on the field. Uh, beating Pittsburgh in a dramatic last-minute drive there was really impressive uh, in, in terms of his development, I thought, and uh, beating Virginia on the road. And then, of course, you know, he runs into that in, in – Injury literally runs into that injury against Duke there, but um, so he was really solid for the for the brief amount of time we saw him on the field. Um, much better in terms of his accuracy, uh, completion percentage, uh, yards per attempt, all that stuff was way up this year. So that's really encouraging. I mean, that was I'm sure one of the things that we talked about in the preseason was the same thing we talked about last year, which was just a lot depends on the quarterback play. If, if the, that got a lot better, then State could bounce back, and that's actually what we saw. Stephen, with Dave Doran 
kind of entering the year. I don't want to say necessarily on a hot seat, but I think the seat was definitely getting warmer. Um, being able to win eight games this year in a year that was difficult in and of itself because of the pandemic and the lack of practice time in the off season and ability to, you know, get together in groups and really have a true off season program. The fact that NC state goes eight and three, where does the fan base sit with Dave Doran now? Um, it's gotta be better, right? I mean, th- this was not anticipated by anybody that they would just step up and win eight games this year. Yeah, I mean, I think by the end of the year, you had a lot of people feeling like Dave Dorn should have gotten more credit as maybe the ACC coach of the year. So I think no question he he restored a lot of uh, confidence in, in the direction of the program. People were definitely concerned. There were definitely um, some vocal portions of the fan base that maybe thought Dorn because of because it was so far into his tenure when they had that terrible year that maybe that was a sign that it was time to go ahead and move on. But I think he really restored um, confidence in what he can do. And as you mentioned, the the circumstances were not ideal with spring getting shut down with a brand new coaching staff. So they didn't really have a chance to work and, you know, implement their changes to quite the same extent they would in a normal year. Um, And to kind of be able to battle through that and, and be successful anyway, I thought was impressive. I just want to go on the record here and state if there's any, if there's any NC State fans that still listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> they probably know that I took a lot of heat and a lot of criticism for not really uh, coming to the defense of Dave Doran. We'll say coming into the year, you know, I, I was a guy That's that was, fair to say, yeah, to say the least. Um, I I was pretty frustrated with it, feeling like looking at the talent, you know, over the previous years with the, the Ryan Finley teams and and Jalen Samuels, and I don't even remember all the names, but I mean, there was a, a pretty crazy amount of talent, and the results and the records and kind of the, the peaks that were reached just, to me, didn't really feel like they matched, and I felt like with that kind of talent drain, especially then having lost Eli Drinkwitz at offensive coordinator, I, I felt like it was like, this, is, this isn't going to be good for Dave Doran, and shame on me, I mean, turn around and have an 8-4 eight, an eight and four season like this, and 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 finish as well as they did. I mean, huge credit to them. I was wrong. I messed that up. So I, I just wanted to go ahead and put that on the record there, Stephen. Well, that was a completely reasonable uh, conclusion to make. I think I, I feel like probably more often than not, if you see uh, a, an established coach kind of hit a, a tough spot and change coordinators, like typically that is not something that really works out in the long term, um, really extends your coaching shelf life that much. But in this case, it did pan out. Um, it was a much-needed change offensively in particular. Um, they just did a good job. This year, they really did maximize uh, the results, I think. But I, I think certainly think in those some of those Finley years, um, they should have probably won more games. But this year, they kind of went the other way. They maybe shouldn't have won as many games as they did. I had a question I was going to ask about uh, Tim Beck. So he comes in, he's the first year offensive coordinator here as, as Dave Doran does go make the effort to try to turn over a lot of the coaching staff. And I know that he's a guy that has, a, you know, a little bit of a stigma. Sometimes his play calling is, is, can be a little bit uncreative or a little bit predictable. And um, I, I know other podcasts in particular like to make fun of, he, he gets kind of obsessed at times with using the quarterback in the run game. Um, was there any questions, concerns that NC State fans in general had about kind of what the offense did play calling wise, or was everyone pretty happy with what they saw here year one? Year one, I'd say everybody was pretty thrilled. Um, I think I'm, I'm sure that there were 
there were definitely some issues here and there, um, some things you can nitpick, of course, but just we were all like, just in comparison to the year prior when things were just a complete dumpster fire, everything that it, everything that he did looked like a genius move, basically, in comparison. So it's uh, it's harder to kind of be objective, I think, when you go from that bad to at least competent and having a plan. So yesterday, we're sitting here recording on February 4th. Yesterday was the second and final national signing day for the class of 2021. NC State finished with the seventh best recruiting class in the ACC, according to 24-7 Sports. How's the fan base feeling about that? What's the general pulse of this class in general? Um, better than expected, worse than expected. Some guys get away. I mean, how do, you know, how does the fan base feel coming out of a successful year and then having a class in the low to mid-30s overall nationally? I thought it was a good, pretty good cycle overall, considering that, you know, they were working with that bad, that bad year in 2019 had to kind of overcome that. Plus all the new assistants, again, try, having to kind of forge relationships over Zoom in recruiting. That was just the reality of now. <laughs> so those circumstances were not ideal in terms of kind of raising your profile, I think, because they just, they lost a lot of guys with a, who had existing relationships with and things but in in the end it started slowly but in the end they basically signed the class that's like right in line with what Dave Dorn basically does every year usually it's it's good it's not great it's the kind of class that that can be a good foundational piece um, just to keep things moving in that you know win seven eight nine games a year uh, type of type of situation I mean obviously everybody would like NC State to maybe level up a little bit especially with what Mac Brown's been doing down the road that really doesn't help in comparison but, uh, you know, solid class as usual, a few four-star guys here and there, Some, but should be plenty of guys they develop into good, solid players. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask about, Stephen, is, is if the expectation has changed or if the attitude or the, you know, is there a heightened anxiety level or anything now that North Carolina just like all of a sudden caught fire and, and they're recruiting like gangbusters in state? I'm sure there's there's all sorts of rumors about cheating on the recruiting trails and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean... It, it, has that really like resonated with with the fan base at all? Yeah, I think it definitely raises the temperature of the pressure a little bit just to see your biggest rival having that kind of success that's on a on a, just a separate level from your own. I mean, it's not surprising. North Carolina always out recruits us, even with Larry Fedora or whatever. No matter what, it seems like even if they struggle to go six and six or whatever, they still end up doing. They just have some inherent advantages as flagship that we just do not have mm -hmm. um, and i still think basketball helps them a little bit because all these kids grow up as carolina fans because of basketball um, so that doesn't help but yeah i mean it's 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 definitely it's, it's an uphill struggle most years and now i think more recently when you include the results on the field too which have not been good um, there's some there's some pressure there i think in recruiting that wasn't there before North Carolina, I think, is ratcheting up the pressure for a lot of ACC schools, Stephen. Um, it feels that way, at least as a Virginia Tech alum, Virginia Tech fan. Justin Fuente does this to himself. But when he goes into North Carolina for his first couple of recruiting cycles and he recruits really well there, and then all of a sudden Mac Brown comes in and just kind of puts the fence up and says, you know what, I'm going to keep all of these four- and five-star kids in state. That's a really tough thing for Virginia Tech being in the same division. I can't imagine what it's like for NC State, even though they're in a different division, again, biggest rival. And now you have to deal with the pressure of Mac Brown going back to town and then taking these four-star guys that, look, NC State might traditionally get some of these guys from yeah. Carolina. 
yeah, it's 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 been tough. I'd be I, I admit I'm I'm surprised it's worked out this well. But Mac Brown, uh, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of luck. Like back in the day when Chuck Amato first came to NC State, he was extremely fortunate to walk right into Philip Rivers. And Mac Brown is kind of a similar thing. He comes back and he's got um, Howell, Sam Howell, who's obviously an elite quarterback, big time player that just immediately kind of flips everything around for them and helps them in recruiting to boot. Um, so I guess we can all thank uh, Florida state for that. Cause Howell, I believe was committed there for a while. So this is all <laughs> Florida state's fault. Basically <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving the Seminoles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, so, you know, with, with luck, Howell will only be here one more year to deal with. And then we'll see what they do after that. Mike, let's talk about home field apparel for a second. Yep. It is the internet's leading producer, provider of officially licensed, comfortable, durable, great-looking vintage apparel coming from a lot of schools around the ACC. I love my home field apparel. How about you? I was going to say, as a guy who has purchased home field apparel and is a I like to consider myself a designee of the company, you know, mm-hmm. doing this podcast, right? I, I feel like we have earned that role at this point. You should not be buying your collegiate apparel from anywhere other than Homefield. I yep. mean, Homefield yep. is all over everywhere right now. We've been fortunate enough to get in with them, you know, middle of last fall, which was awesome, right in the middle of football season. They were pumping out, you know, their big new Saturday series and dropping all these new shirts and sweatshirts. Now they're dropping sweatpants for UConn, which is hysterical. Joggers. I mean, they got joggers. I mean, they got clothes everywhere for a lot of schools. New schools are being dropped, it feels like, every week. Um, they are going to take over the college apparel space. Um, they, they are un- doing unbelievable work. They're great people. It's awesome that we were able to get in and, and partner with them. They were real receptive. I mean, we had a we had a good talk with them on our initial kickoff call. It lasted like 25, 30 minutes. And just like that, we had a sponsor. Um, They were awesome. And it it doesn't extend to just us and everything that you guys buy from Homefield Apparel with this promo code not only helps us, but helps them. They're awesome people. We want to make sure they sell as much as they can and make as much money as they can because they've been so good to us. So, Joey, what promo code do they use to check out? Uh, That would be GoACC. Use that promo at checkout. That's out. right. 20% off your first order. And by the way, Mike, I've, I've found... We keep saying that they use that promo code to get that deal on their first order. And you might be thinking, well, if I've got another order after that, then I'm just paying full price. Which, A, yes, that's not a bad thing, though. Really good, really good quality stuff. You're going to want more after you make your first order. But right. second of all... You will get a notification asking for a review of the products that you uh, that you purchase and, and start wearing. And if you give mm-hmm. that review... I hear there's another little discount coming your way as well. So you get another promo code. It's, it's something that they, they uh, want to keep your business and you're going to want to keep giving it to them. Yeah, so do the promo code for us, right? So that we get credit and then do a promo code for yourself too so you get another nice little discount. So it's not just how can I help Joey and Mike make money today. It's how can I make sure that I'm not spending too much on this awesome new college apparel. It's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't gotten any of these you know clothing items yet from them, you're missing out. You, you really yeah. are missing out. And like Joey said, most ACC schools are on there at this point. Um, most schools across the FBS are on there at this point. They're working really hard to make sure that all schools are represented. I know that's their goal. You know, for some schools, it's easier than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, cough, cough. Could tell you something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. Like Joey mentioned, 20% off your first order. 
Yep, t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, crew necks, all sorts of things. And and as you joggers, like, even yeah, the occasional pair of doggers. Um, joggers. You know, those things are are all available there. So once again, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. Really appreciate their support. Really appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody, Stephen. Looking ahead to next year, the, the offense is a good amount of turnover, but man, on defense, I'm, I'm looking at Bill C's numbers right here. NC State bringing back what he would consider 90% of their production on defense. That's sixth nationally. Uh, overall, NC State sixth in the in the conference in returning production. I mean, a, a lot of folks coming back. I got to assume that expectations within the fan base looking forward, reasonably high. You know, keep this thing going. You've got the quarterback figured out. I, I would assume there, there's, again, kind of some somewhat heightened expectations, you might say. Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. Um, this is uh, roster wise, this is probably the best situation the defense has been in in quite a while, probably at least like three, four years, maybe um, getting Peyton Wilson back for at least one more year. Mr. Mr. Tackling machine there. God, I love that guy. He's so good. Just the whole linebacking um, core is, is really solid. Um, and there was, again, injury issues in the secondary. Seems like that happens every year because it's the thinnest position on the darn team, it seems like. Um, so hopefully if they can be a little bit healthier there, get some guys back, including a, a solid defensive back that didn't play, uh, Chris Ingram didn't play a single snap this year because of injuries. Uh, so yeah, there's reason across the board, um, good experience returning in the defensive line, losing Ali McNeil hurts, but that don't think anyone was really ever expecting him to come back. He pretty much had done all he could to raise his draft stock in college, I think. Yeah, NC State, what, what do you think is keeping this program from kind of taking the next step? And what do you think the next step realistically is? I mean, you mentioned seven to nine wins. Seems pretty reasonable. I agree with you. I, I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation at NC State, given what they've been historically. Um, nobody's catching Clemson right now. They're just like far and away better than everybody else. And yeah. NC State is in that division, right? And you got to deal with them with the exception of this year because it's a COVID year and it was weird. You got to deal with them every single year. But what do you think is reasonable like, to make that next step? And do you think being the second best team in the Atlantic is something that NC State can do year over year with Florida State in a rebuild, Louisville kind of being this up and down weird program, Boston College looking like they're starting to figure things out at least in year one under Jeff Halfley. How do you feel about this program under Dave Doran and taking that next step, whatever that might be? Yeah, I, I think basically what you alluded to, the next step is kind of just moving into that number two spot, kind of clear, because uh, nobody's going to catch Clemson with the way they recruit and and all the the budget they have, the money they spend. Uh, NC State's never going to be on that level. But as long as Florida State is, is struggling, um, there's, I feel like there's no reason why NC State can't be consistently the second best team in the division, which I feel like would be a pretty good step forward. You know, something where maybe the team is ranked uh, more often than it has been, you know, more consistently kind of in that top 25, top 20 range would be a good step. Um, and I think NC State's one of those places, I think, where you have to have a, a good amount of consistent success on the field before it really starts to show up in recruiting. Um, you know, that's something that hopefully will continue to improve. But I think, you know, this year, the fact that recruiting didn't drop off a cliff after the team's results did is, a, is an encouraging sign. Um, there's definitely, obviously, the talent base is there within the state to be successful, as North Carolina is showing. 
Um, so yeah, I think the next step is just kind of raising that recruiting profile a little bit more, getting more up into those consistently 25-ish type ranked classes. It's never going to be a, an elite recruiting job, I don't think, without a really special head coach um, who can do that type of thing. But I think, yeah, just making another step, being more consistently in that top two, three teams in the in the division every year, um, that's really where we want to get to realistically. You, you talk about, you know, kind of a ceiling there in the 25, maybe 20 range. I, I just thought it was funny. I, I was thinking about it earlier. Mike and I, you know, having our conversation here recently about the recruiting rankings throughout the ACC. And the thing that we started with was basically the disclaimer of we're not, we don't really follow national recruiting. You know, Mike follows it as it relates to Virginia Tech. I kind of follow it as it relates to Georgia Tech. But you know, I'm not sitting here running the rat race trying to figure out where the, the number two prospect overall is going, where the number 13 right. prospect overall is going. Like, and, and the realization that I had was like, well, yeah, because that's like an SEC slash Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame type of exercise. Like, like that's not that's not for almost anybody in the ACC. And so I, I feel like at that point, I don't know if that, this is the same kind of impression that you get, but it's just like. <laughs> like there's like six, seven teams there at the top that all, all can play that game or, you know, SEC teams that all can play that game, but everyone else, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit different. You know, it's, it's more understanding the individual players that they get, you know, that your team gets and, and kind of knowing what to expect from there. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you. I just don't follow it nationally because there's just not that much point to doing it. Cause NC state is not going to recruit nationally and NC state's only going to recruit regionally and, for the most part, NC State is rarely going to be in on like a, a true like elite five star, you know, top fifty type recruit. Um, usually, the the only circumstances that allow for that to happen are either geography or maybe there's like a maybe the kid's like a legacy at NC State or there's some other unusual relationship between an assistant coach and that kid or something. But uh, so just every now and again, maybe NC State has a shot at a five star here and there or some high four star kids. But more typically, it's just kind of work doing the work of identifying talent that's kind of more into that middle three star, high three star range. And Dave Dorn's done a nice job of doing that, I think. Um, so he's, as far as the, their approach goes, I think it's been pretty good. But, yeah, it's, it's just not that much point to, to following recruiting on that level when you're in this kind of middle tier of FBS programs. Steven, it feels like NC State has just made a living off of just producing really high-level defensive linemen, whether it's Bradley Chubb or now Lee McNeil, who's certainly going to be a high draft pick in April. Is this just a Dave Doran thing? Is this just an NC State thing? Like, what what is making them so good at just developing these really good defensive linemen at a program that historically has been like seven or eight wins under Dave Doran? Yeah, it's a funny thing, but the, the one area – previously i think where they they built momentum in recruiting was actually up front because they had the you know the chub teams and all those guys get drafted so they really had a lot to sell to kids and it kind of just kind of built on top of itself some of their high more, more highly regarded prospects each year have been defensive linemen now so it tends to be where they recruit the best out of all of the positions it seems like and you know mcneil's a good example he was like a four-star kid out of high school i think um right in state's backyard thankfully I'm just a really good athlete and, uh, you know, just so they've had fortune. They've had good fortune that way. And some of the guys that should fill in for McNeil moving forward were also highly regarded like four star kids. Um, so it's it, it's something that could keep moving. 
for the foreseeable future. Steven, as we look forward to the 2021 season and, and hopefully having a true, proper, you know, fully fledged off season here, uh, you know, you mentioned last year, Tim Beck and that new offense and, the, and kind of running a new scheme a little bit, not really having the opportunity to properly, you know, have time with the players and all that. So, I mean, I, I guess to some degree, aside from that, like if, if you had to look at one position group or one thing that NC State needed to do better next year, it could be anything from tackling in the open field to game planning to clock management, whatever. Like if there's one thing that you need NC State to do better in 2021 than they did in 2020, what would it be? I think offensively, I'd really like to see them run the ball a bit more effectively and also use Bam Knight more frequently for whatever reason. Um, Tim Beck didn't have Bam Knight on the field quite as much as he could have been. And I think that's a bit of a concern given that he's clearly the best running back on the roster. Um, Can be add an extra dimension to that offense. But I thought otherwise there were encouraging steps in terms of the effectiveness of the passing game, which hopefully will continue Um, because they've got a good amount of production returning in that spot, but they've got to get better there. Uh, Defensively, I think against defending the pass, being a little more disruptive up front um, on pass plays would be ideal. I can't believe, Mike, that we made it almost half an hour into this show without mentioning Bam Knight or Ricky Person. Like, (laughs) clearly it's been like a month since the season ended. I am off my game here. I apologize for that. No, it's a weird year. Everything feels like it's moving. Everything feels like it was 10 years ago, and it's like two (laughs) months ago, so. Yeah, so how did the fan base feel? I mean, these are two pretty decent running backs, um, not even the two best running backs in the state, given what North Carolina did at Chapel Hill. It was ridiculous. Their their running game was one of the best in college football this year. Um, How did the fan base feel about Ricky Person and Bam Knight? I mean, you mentioned Bam Knight probably didn't get the ball as much as he probably should have. Um, You know, they were both pretty effective when in the game. You know, how, how do you feel about this backfield overall, both this year and then beyond, I guess some of it really just depends on Tim Beck getting these guys in position to be successful. Yeah, it was a, it was nice to see Ricky person finally have a healthy year. Basically he had been, he had lost so much time. He'd never played a full season uh, before this one. So it was nice to see him be able to do that. He certainly earned it. Um, He's a talented kid for sure. Um, but he's just not Bam Knight, just Bam Knight. There's something different, just the way he runs physically, breaking tackles, um, just one of those kind of innate things that not everybody can do. Um, so he's great at getting yards after first contact, and he can break some big plays too. I think he gives the offense a higher ceiling when he's on the field. I feel like the injuries have probably caused Ricky Person to lose a step or so over time, which is understandable completely. The guy's been through all kinds of crap, but, uh, you know, the, in general – Backfield's in a good place, I think. One of the other things that we probably need to mention here from an offensive skill position standpoint here, Stephen, is NC State figures to bring back their top three receivers next year. Most importantly, Emeka Mezzi and Thayer Thomas. I mean, Mezzi being a guy especially that that could have left, probably, you know, would have been just fine going towards, you know, looking towards the NFL draft here in this offseason. He makes the decision to come back. How big a deal is that for this Wolfpack offense next year? That's a big one. That's a big one for sure. And that's one of those breaks. Every, I figured, I'm sure every program has one or two of them, you know, that with the free year of eligibility. Emezi would have been a, a graduating senior this year otherwise, but he decided to come back and give it one more go, which I think for him could be wise in the long run. He really slumped in 2019 when, when he kind of was put in the position to be the, the number one receiver on the team. And this year, 
he was much, much better. He caught basically everything that hit his hands. Um, he, he was more of a big play threat than we'd seen in the past. So I think he can build on that, especially if Devin Leary stays healthy. That's one of those things where, it, you know, the quarterback instability does affect your receivers to an extent, of course. Um, but yeah, having him back one more year and Thayer Thomas made some solid improvements this year as well. Had some really big games, some really big difference-making plays for the team. Um, losing Kerry Angeline at tight end is tough, but can't blame him again for, for going, going ahead and taking his NFL shot. But other than that, um, trying to figure out that tight end situation is, is really the issue, the only issue that's deeply concerning, I'd say. Steven, a little bit off topic, but the NCAA video game is going to come back in the next yes. couple of years. How are you feeling about it? I never thought the day would come, you guys. I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> now it's just painful because they're like, well, it might take a couple of years. It's like, no. <laughs> Yeah, what a tease. Just, just make some sort of magic, like lock them into the office 24-7 and, you know, make them make this game so it can come out in like six months. <laughs> like this summer would be good. Like, Yeah, please. My wife no, is so excited to, to finally get rid of that Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what they do with the name, image, and likeness or if they just make players up or whatever. It doesn't matter to me, really. I just want a decent college football game back. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that. That meme stored up for yesterday, the uh, men only want one thing and it's disgusting. That was <laughs> that was many years in the making right there. So, yeah, we're excited to have it back as well. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I've got for Steven tonight. Anything else that you had for him? I think I'm all set. I mean, we'll certainly have you back on, Steven, as we get, you know, uh, probably a spring practice update, hopefully. Um, hopefully Fingers we're crossed. able to have a normal yeah. spring practice. But... Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and getting a good recap of NC State because this was one of the most intriguing teams in the ACC this year given the expectations versus what they actually ended up being, which was a really pleasant surprise, I thought. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was actually pleasant to talk about NC State football for once, so that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) A good change. A good change. You want to tell the people real quick where they can find your stuff? (laughs) Backintopack.com is the SB Nation uh, NC State uh, web community. Been doing that for a long, long time. And on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash Wolf. And yeah, that's me. Yeah, I see on backingthepack.com, you are one of the five CEOs of Globex Corp. So <laughs> congratulations on that development. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Boy, I should really change that. I don't even know when I did that. That's probably like 10 years. Ago. That's probably been like that for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. As somebody who also has a long history with SB Nation, yeah, those... <laughs> it has those have a way of of uh, going unnoticed for a while, and they look really silly when you go back and actually look at them. <laughs> yeah, they you know features they come and go and change, and things get de-emphasized, and you just forget about them. And they're just over on some random page. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, I mean this has been a great uh, a great discussion, and and as Mike mentioned, I mean one of the most fascinating and, and great stories of the ACC. I felt like in in 2020. So. Hopefully that continues here in the next year, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. For sure. All right, Mike, let's work on getting out of here. Um, we're, we are going to get out of here. we got some more team recaps to go. We've got other uh, off-season topics, so keep it tuned here. Lots of good stuff coming. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel VT. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, Stephen Muma at Akula Wolf on Twitter. All one word, A-K-U-L-A Wolf. Um, I would assume Wolf has something to do with Wolfpack, but um, I'll let you explain that one if you want. (laughs) 
yeah it's uh i don't know it's just an old thing uh akula is like a russian submarine type don't know where don't know where i got that idea actually <laughs> well i i learned something today there's that um <laughs> They can send us an email, Mike, with questions, comments, concerns, the longest email address, no demand, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, all those great places. And you want to tell them real quick where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. Make sure to do that. Please do. Please do. Lots of ACC schools and lots of others available on there. Uh, Steven, I don't know if you've got any any familiarity with their with their products, but they are wonderful. So highly recommend the folks go check them out if you haven't had a chance to just yet. And as Mike mentioned, go ACC at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. Uh, that that would help us and help them. So please do that. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. Steven, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, Mike, we'll talk again soon, and yep. uh, yeah, have a good one. All right, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Stephen Muma, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon, and until then, go ACC. Go ACC.